This is Framed, a podcast where a group of friends get together once a week to talk about movies, what we liked about them, what we didn't like, and how they're made. I'm Elliot. I'm Robert. I'm Phil. And I'm Brennan. On this episode of Framed, we take a look at 5 centimeters per second, the third in our month of anime. Is this our third already? Yeah, we're on the third one. It was Perfect Blue, and then... um, Yeah, I forgot about Perfect Blue. Wow. (laughs) It was so traumatic, you you put it out of your your memory. So, uh, we're once again running with a lighter crew. It's uh, just me, Elliot, and uh, Brennan. Hey, everyone. Um, Phil is out sick, and Robert was not able to get around to watching this movie, so we are going to soldier on with just the two of us. Um, so five centimeters per second. Um, this was actually Phil's pick, so it's it's unfortunate he couldn't be here. Um, Phil, this is one of Phil's favorite movies. Um, I had never seen this before. Um, Brennan, had you seen it? I have. I had not. I've heard of this movie before, but I had not seen it yet. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Apart from the one viewing. Uh, that I had of this movie for the podcast. I don't have any like prior history with this movie, so I don't don't know that much about it. But um, we're gonna do our best here. <laughs> so uh, five centimeters per second was directed by Makoto Shinkai. Um, it was re- it was released in uh, two thousand seven. Yeah, it looks like. Um, it's uh, it's really three short films kind of put together into one feature length film. And uh, as I understand it, um, the three parts kind of came out one at a time. Um, and then after it was all finished, they, they put it together as one movie. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so what I was kind of thinking for this episode is that we could uh, talk about each of the three parts sort of individually, um, since they're kind of self-contained. Um, and then afterwards, we could sort of talk about what we thought of the it, movie as a whole and like could, how it all hangs together. Yeah, I'm 100% on the same page. I was exactly thinking the same thing. Cool, cool. So the first episode of five centimeters per second is called Cherry Blossom. Um, we follow uh, two elementary school kids named Takaki and um, Akari. Yeah. I'm reading off the wiki. I'm, I'm cheating because <laughs> I, I had forgotten their names, to be honest. Um, not that they were unmemorable. It's just it was several weeks ago now when I watched this. It's... So I'm going to be pausing occasionally to go consult the wiki. Anyway, so Takaki and uh, Akari are, uh, are students at an elementary school in Tokyo, and they fall in love. Um, but... Uh, Due to the way life goes, um, Akari moves away, uh, leaving uh, Takaki in uh, Tokyo. Um, But they correspond uh, via letter because this takes place in the late 90s, I believe, um, before email or or cell phones had become that big of a deal. Um, So uh, Takaki learns that um, he's going to be moving away from Tokyo to another part of the country and that the chances of them seeing each other again are going to be, you know, basically non-existent. So he decides to embark on a journey through the, the harrowing uh, subway systems of Japan to try to uh, meet Akari one last time. Um, so that's kind of the summary of the first episode. Um, did Brennan, did you have any general thoughts on it? Well, as a whole, I, up, up until this point of the movie um, and this episode, I thought it had a very good storyline. It was very touching. It had me um, kind of waiting or like on the seat of my seat anticipating what was going to happen next. Hmm. Um, I had very, I liked the, throughout all three episodes, but I really liked, the um artwork Mm, yeah oh yeah i i do want to say generally about this movie that this is you know probably one of the most beautiful 
anime yes. films I've ever seen. Um, not just the quality of the animation or the quality of the, the background art, which was, you know, stellar, yeah. but just the way it was animated. It has a very like floaty dreamlike feel to it. Yes. <clears throat> not really in the same. It's, it's, it's definitely more grounded than like say perfect blue, which was also kind of a movie about, um, that had a dreamlike quality to it. At least mm-hmm. this, this felt very, um, I don't know how to describe it exactly. Like maybe hyper realistic where there's a lot of color and everything. And the, everything feels very vibrant. Um, I was kind of, uh, criticizing Tokyo Godfathers last time saying like, well, I, you know, prefer traditional animation. It just looks better. You know, Tokyo Godfathers, I think is an, an example of like early digital animation, but, I think this is a uh, a good example of like now that you know digital animation has matured more like just the sheer level of like you know perfection and you know beauty you can yeah you can get from it. I feel like I I interrupted what you were saying. Uh, I just felt I just thought this first section was. I really didn't have any issues with the first. Um, episode of it um Mm -hmm. i liked i just i don't know it's a good story good beginning of a story it Mm. flowed well yeah i would totally agree with um your your comments about how it kind of makes you anxious to see what's going to happen um i i i thought the story was really relatable like there have been so many situations in my own life where, you know, you're trying to uh, reach somebody, but things you know, keep putting, getting, making or you're put off. Well, not only that, but like as as you're like trying to like I'm I'm talking specifically about as he's on the train and he can't contact her. Oh yeah. Like, there have been a lot of situations where it's like you can't like through extenuating circumstances you can't contact the person and you're just like wondering. You know, are they even going to be there? Yeah. Like, is did I miss them? You know, what what's going to happen? So I could definitely, they did a really great job of like slowly building that anxiety of like, you know, is he going to make it? Is, is she going to even be there? Um, but yeah, also, like you said, just like the, the feeling of being away from somebody. Um, and I think we'll kind of get into that on the second and third parts yeah. too. But just like this movie very much captures the... Um, I don't know, just like, well, I, real life, I guess, like just how, you know, you drift apart from people, but you still care about them and yep. circumstances kind of make it so that it, it's hard for you to be together. And another um, another thing I had felt about this in most movies when they have, like they had numerous, numerous stops that in all reality, they could have shortened and made it less but Mm -hmm. in this aspect normally i would definitely be 100 percent like they kind of dragged it on but i felt like they did it correctly in a Mm. right way with this film um i felt like it just kept up with that anticipation of i hope she's still there i it's been yeah several 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 hours i hope she didn't go home it's cold it's snowy and -hmm. then when they get when he gets there he doesn't think she's there and then all of a sudden there she is right yeah i thought that the uh the end of this episode was super touching um i'm not usually one for for romance movies or like you know kind of like cute stuff like like this, but I, I thought that it did a really good job of um, of doing it like honestly, and it, it didn't feel schmaltzy or or you know sugary. Yeah. I guess it felt very uh, human and and real. Um, so yeah, he does eventually meet up with her at the last subway station, and you know they spend some time together, and then they eventually. Uh, they they get stranded there for the night, but they like hide out in a barn, and uh, go back home the next morning. So, um, it's a nice it's a nice little vignette, I guess, of um, 
you know, young love, um, what it's like to fall in love with somebody at that age. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed the, this first chapter. Shall, um, shall we move on to the second chapter? Yes. Um, second chapter is called Cosmonaut, um, which is probably a reference to the, uh, the rocket that they launched. Yeah, the, for the Space in Center. Yeah, so this uh, the second episode continues to follow Takaki, who has now um, moved on to high school, and he is away studying at... Out in the countryside in in Japan, uh, Tanegashima, Shima, Tanegashima. Yeah. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, where the yeah, where the space center is. Um, so it's sort of it's more told from the perspective of another high school student named uh, Kanai. Kanai, Kanai, Kanai. Sorry, I'm doing my best. <laughs> um, who who has a crush on Takaki and has trouble expressing her feelings for him. Um, so this chapter sort of follows things from her perspective and her attempts to tell Takaki how she feels about him. Um, yeah, so Brennan, what did you think of this part? So as I'm watching this second part, I hmm. got confused. I got sidetracked very easily. I was it completely... I just lost complete focus from the movie. Now, going back into it, if I were to watch this again, it would make more sense now that I've seen the whole thing. And mm. see, I see how the end it ties back into him being with Akari. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, did you did you not know going into this that it was split into three parts? I did not. Okay, so that probably threw you a little yes. bit when it we suddenly switched to yeah. A, in fact, it's I think it's even got like credits and a title card and all that. So. Yeah, I was very whenever the um it, the credits were rolling, I was confused. I was like, I know I have X amount of time still on it, and then mm-hmm. um whenever it said episode two cosmonaut i was like oh it's not over and then right. you're following can i i'm also hoping i'm saying that we're saying that right because i really don't know um i think can i is the i i'm not an expert but i i think based on the very little i know <laughs> i think it's can i um i i just got lost for a little bit mm, yeah um, but then, like, toward, really towards the end of that, I kind of got wrapped back into it, and mm-hmm. definitely with the last episode, once we got into that, it all just kind of came around full circle, kind of, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely, like, I I will say that I... This is not really a criticism against this film. This is a problem that I, I have with anthology movies in general is that, um, you know, you sort of get into the rhythm of the first story and then as soon as it stops and now we're switching gears to a completely different story, it's like you kind of got to readjust your focus a little bit and be like, okay, now we're, we're in a new setting with some new characters. You know, let's see how this is going to go. So you, you kind of get that stop and start kind of effect. So... Which, but that's, that's if, just I would, kind of, if I would yeah. have gone into this knowing that it was kind of going to be that way, right? like, I, like I said, I didn't know there was more than one episode, that it was like three different things kind of in one and all wraps in the other, right. I would have had a different mentality going into it. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I thought oh, as a whole, this was a really well put together movie. Yeah, for sure. But um, it's just threw me off during the second episode yeah yeah for sure i i had the benefit of watching it with phil and so he he had told me a little bit about it in advance and so i kind of knew that this was a movie in multiple parts at least um so i was kind of prepared for it um all that being said um i thought that this was also an expertly done little vignette um i thought that it was a 
you know, really um, in the same way as the first one, very human, very honest, but, you know, like from it, you know, a different character's perspective, dealing with sort of different hangups that people have in life. Yeah. Again, you know, I've, you know, sort of been in this person's shoes where it's like you really like somebody um, but you can't like work up the courage to tell them how you feel. Yeah. Um, definitely, you know, an aspect of growing up. Um, so again, it was very relatable kind of story. Um, I thought that, um, a lot of the imagery was really interesting. Oh yes. I completely agree with that and how they tied in, they tied back in. If you notice through each one, they tied in that five centimeters per second, like the cherry blossom one, they actually had the Mm. cherry blossoms falling at five centimeters per second. And then they kept tying in with different things falling at different speeds right right yeah that uh yeah the five centimeters per second is mentioned in the first episode and then it keeps coming back into the story in different ways so like they mention different objects moving at you know five blah per second yeah so it was an interesting kind of way to tie everything together um the imagery specifically that um i was gonna call out to and I hope I'm remembering this right because it's been, like I said, it's been a couple of weeks since I watched this. But when the rocket launches, I think that there is a shot where it's going up and the, the trail of smoke is, maybe it's not when the rocket goes up. Maybe it's at a different point in the story. But there's a shot where there's like a trail of white going up into the sky and you've got like, Takaki and Kanae on opposite sides to show how they're divided. Yeah. Or how, you know, they're not together. Am I yeah. making that up? You remember no, that? Yeah. Okay. I thought that was really nice. Um, I also, Phil was the one who pointed this out to me. Um, the When they go to the convenience store, they go there a couple times over the course of the story, but like in the beginning, Kanae is like not sure what she wants, um, she, what she wants to buy, which is, you know, like symbolic of, you know, she's not sure what she wants. She's very indecisive as a person. Yes. And then at the end, when she's decided that she's going to talk to Takaki. Uh, she knows she's, exactly you know, what she wants to drink. Exactly. Yes. She knows exactly what she wants and goes right for it. So I thought that was nice. Um, this, uh, to be honest, like this episode made me want to quit my job and go move in the Japanese countryside. <laughs> yeah, it was... Actually, really, with all of these, because, like, whenever he's in the first one, when he's driving, or not driving, when he's riding on the train through Mm -hmm. Japan, and it shows all the different countrysides, it it was very scenic. It was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, last year when uh, when Anton, Alex, and I went to Japan for a week, um, we took the uh, the bullet train mm-hmm. from Tokyo to Kyoto because um, Kyoto is where Nintendo headquarters is, and yeah. we had to pay a pilgrimage to Nintendo. But <laughs> anyway, so it's about a, a two-hour train ride, so you go through a lot of Japanese countryside, and you know, as I'm looking out the window, it's like I just want to get off the train right here and go explore, you yeah. know, just go look around. It's like it's it's very idyllic you know you think about japan being like a very urbanized you know kind of heavily populated area but you know that's just more like the tokyo area like there's a lot of like countryside left in japan that's like that where it's just very you know kind of undisturbed and you know just little country towns um so yeah very beautiful country what else um i did have hold up i was a fan of the dog in this episode i kind of wanted that uh kane's dog oh yeah i'd forgotten about that um <laughs> i also was in shock whenever we found out that takaki's emails aren't actually being sent to anyone hmm that was so he like starts to write text messages and then yeah like quits. whenever because we have her seeing him texting all the time but then at towards the i think it's towards the end the latter half for sure that Mm -hmm. his emails text whatever aren't actually like he writes them but then he doesn't send them and so i'm i had a feeling that like because he was still have 
was still having those reoccurring like daydreams about Akari. Mm-hmm. But I feel like since he was actually not actually sending those messages to Akari, that if can I um, were, would have talked to him, it could have ended up differently. Hmm. Yeah. And actually, I um, I have some thoughts about that for that I want to say for the third chapter okay. with regards to how he. What we're shown here is that he has several opportunities to communicate with Akati, but chooses not to. Mm-hmm. He doesn't send his messages. Um, either, you know, presumably because he's resigned himself to the fact that, you know, they've drifted apart and he won't be able to be with her because they're, you know, distance-wise, they're so far apart now. So... Um, was that your read on it as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'll circle back around to that for the third episode. But yeah. Yeah. You do wonder if he hadn't been so hung up on Akari, if, uh, if, you know, Kanae maybe would have had a, uh, maybe would have been more upfront with him mm-hmm. initially, like in the beginning rather than like at the very end of the episode. And also um, going off of that, which this also kind of bleeds into the third episode, um, if he would have actually sent those messages to Akari, that would have been completely different. Yeah, right. Yeah, so another good episode. I really enjoyed this yeah. uh, this part of it. I mean... Not- even though it confu- like start at, Even though at the beginning it kind of confused me, towards the end of that episode, I... Mm-hmm. it made more sense and I got back into it towards the middle of that episode it brought me back I got back into my focus and I really enjoyed it yeah yeah and you know when I say that um, yeah I really enjoyed this movie um, I think it's, it also bears saying that uh, you know I thought this was overall an extremely sad movie um, the yes, way that I agree. the way that Phil introduced this movie to me a few years ago was that this movie was like riding the sadmo cycle, is how he described it. Yeah, um, yeah, I would agree with that statement, hundred percent. So because it's, yeah. I mean, it has really it has episode two has somewhat of some happy moments in it, mm-hmm. and at the very beginning the meeting was happy, and it. But for the most part, it's kind of a Debbie Downer movie, but mm. not in a bad way. No, no, not at all. Like going into this, I thought that it was just going to because Phil had made such a big deal about, oh, it's sad. It's so sad. You're going to feel so sad. Like I was picturing in my mind that this movie was going to just arbitrarily go out of, go out of its way to like make you feel bad. But it's not really that at all. It's more like it's a very... Um, very tender portrayal of like sadness in life and like how, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm kind of getting into my thoughts for the end of it, but you know, just how, you know, a lot of times life doesn't turn out the way we think it's going to. And it, it feels very relatable. Um, yeah. so very, I think poignant is a better word where it's not like sad for the sake of being sad, but just like sad because it, it feels real, you know? Uh-huh. Um, did you like this better than, I mean, apart from your initial confusion, did you like this better than episode one or do you think episode one was better? Um, I mean, that's, in my opinion, I feel like that's kind of comparing apples to oranges. Yeah, kind of. Um, they're both, cause they're both really good. Mm. Um, like we were talking about earlier, they could be standalone shorts but at the same time they're together and it flows well into each other yeah um i don't know i mean they both have different i kind of want to say messages maybe to each of them Hmm. in a sense because the first one's about um them falling in love, moving away, 
and then making that will to meet up, staying in touch and meeting up. Whereas this one is talking about um, coming from that other person's perspective of loving, kind of falling in love with this person, but slowly not being reciprocated. Not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just different points in one's life. Mm -hmm. It's all very relatable. And yeah. So I wouldn't say even going into the third, actually, I would say third's probably my, no, they're all pretty equal. Yeah. I, I sort of, um, I think I enjoyed the second one more just on an aesthetic level. I mean, I like, you know, I enjoyed all three of them, but you know, I kind of mentioned earlier that, you know, I kind of have a soft spot for, you know, like depictions of the Japanese countryside and like uh -huh. that kind of simpler way of life. And so I think that that edges this one out a little bit in front for me just because I liked the aesthetics of this episode a little better. Um, but, you know, yeah, I agree that it's kind of, they're kind of apples to oranges. They're, you know, uh -huh. kind of got their own strengths. Um, not to derail this conversation, um, I just happened to glance over at the wiki at the um, information about the dub for five centimeters per second. And um, apparently the voice of Takaki in the English version is provided by a Power Ranger. Want to guess which I one? Didn't realize that. <laughs> so which one? Do you remember... Um, the Black Ranger, not from the first set of Power Rangers, but the second set, yes. Adam, the Black Ranger. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He voices uh, Takaki in the English version. And now I'm going to have to go back and watch it <laughs> again. Just to... Well, I planned on rewatching it anyway due to the fact of going into it the first time, not knowing that it was in those going to be how it was set up i feel like i would get more out of it if i were to go back through and watch it again yeah for sure but that'd be something else i'd be listening to right yeah no i mean i i would get super distracted and i i do when i'm listening to something and i recognize a voice actor from something else it's like oh it's yeah. that guy from that other thing um so uh anyway yeah uh episode three of five centimeters per second, which is titled five centimeters. Yeah, per second. it's just called five centimeters per second. Um, so this uh, takes place several years later. We're following Takaki as an adult working in Tokyo, and yes. um, we see a few glimpses of Akati. Um, we see that she is getting married to someone else, and I think she she like finds a letter that she had meant to send to Takaki and never did. Um, yeah, it was in the first one, she had lost the letter that right. she had written, that she was going to give to Takaki whenever they met up. Right, and she didn't give it to him. Yeah. Yeah, so we spend a few minutes with her, but we spend most of it with Takaki and see how his life has kind of fallen apart as an adult. Um, he apparently was never able to move on from Akari, um, we see a few glimpses of his, uh, he has this relationship with another girl, but it's, you know, clearly not working like they're, you know, I think, I think they break up in during over the course of this episode. Um, or at least it sounds like they're going to, but anyway, he's not happy. Um, he's, he, you know, it's clear he's kind of done with life. Um, because he wasn't able to move on past Akati. So it's kind of a sad... Uh, well, I mean, this whole movie is sad, but <laughs> this is an especially sad kind of conclusion to end on. And um, I, I would say that the, it ends kind of ambiguously because he goes back to the train crossing that we see at the beginning of the movie that he and Akati are, you know, one of the places they hung out at as kids. And it appears as though they are, like, walking past each other um, uh -huh. in opposite directions and then a train comes by and then where we thought Akati was standing she's gone now um, 
So it's kind of ambiguous as to whether she was actually there or not, or if he was just imagining it. Yeah. Um, was it just symbolic for the fact that they, you know, kind of moved in opposite directions in life and now they're, you know, they've, you know, they're not going to see each other anymore. Um, what, what did you think of this? Well, so I started to say this before, but I wanted to wait until we actually started into this. Um, this one was kind of my least favorite of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had a hard time following it complete, like more so than the second one. Like the second one, I, just the first little bit confused me just because we I was going into the second episode with the different story and I had to get myself back into it. Right. Whereas this one, I knew, I anticipated kind of being more into the future and all that, but it, just how it cut between Takaki and Akari um, in each one's relationship, it took me actually a little bit to realize that she was getting married. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, they, they just have that one quick shot of the ring on her finger, and I think that's yeah. all, they, all you're given. Um, like I said, if I were to go back and watch this again, I would get a whole lot more out of the movie than I did the first time. Hmm. Um, I... The ending of it, like you said with the ending, though, I really enjoyed the ending of them. Her, well, we know Takaki was going across that kind of reminiscing of the past Mm -hmm. um but once again we're we're having a kind of an open ending where we don't really know if akari was there or not Mm. if it's just one of those memories he's having um right thinking about her being there yeah yeah so i my theory on this uh i mean this is not really like this this is sort of my like how it could have gone you know to you know maybe end up have have takaki end up with a happier ending um so i i think what's what's going on here is that you know we see in the second episode that he is like still thinking about akari and is not able to move on past her um and he just sort of like lets that sit to the point where now as an adult, he's like, you know, it's a much bigger thing for him to where he's, you know, psychologically unable to move on from her. It it seems like. And so Uh my thought is that, you know, second episode when he's, you know, in high school should have been his time to focus on moving on from her. And, you know, maybe, if he hadn't been so like hung up on Akari, he might have noticed Kane. You know, might have turned out better for him, but because he's just sort of like, yeah. you know, kept obsessing over her. You know, now he's like, you know, it's a much bigger problem for him as an adult. Um, yeah. Which in turn, going back to what this is pretty much going back to what we we're talking about earlier with, if he would have done things differently if he would have ended up sending those messages instead of right not sending them like you get the impression Um, he was just feeling sorry for himself like yeah you know who knows i mean if he had actually like stayed in contact with her you know maybe they would have you know made it work somehow Um, exactly like it kind of like you kind of go through it a little bit at first feeling sorry for takaki mm -hmm. but then towards the end kind of realize it's his own fault for (laughs) um not really doing anything about it like right he's he stews in this state of mind that Mm -hmm. they're apart nothing can happen but right and then you kind of get a glimpse into his like failed relationship with the other girl which i don't think she's named the girl with glasses i don't think so either um but you know she sends him a message that says, you know, after all this time, our hearts have only gotten five centimeters closer, um, mm-hmm. which is another I, callback to the title. But um, yeah. the you kind of can um, deduce from that that, um, you know, their relationship was probably not... Um, like, I imagine in my mind that he was probably kind of standoffish with her 
and didn't put a lot of effort into their here's, relationship. Here's a thought to put in your mind, which mm. um, watching it is kind of what I was thinking at first. But now that we go back and talk about it, I'm not 100% agreeing with myself. Mm. Whenever I watched it, I was assuming that the current girlfriend was Kanai. Um, Older. I don't think that's... But, yeah, going back, now that we're kind of talking about it and I'm rethinking things, I don't agree with myself. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a different girl. <coughs> um, But I also feel like that's one of those things that I myself probably would have changed if I would have written this. It would have probably ended up where... Because they bring in this can I girl and mm -hmm. then you don't hear from her again. Right. So, which is why I, I, up until now, I assumed that that girlfriend was can I. I think that the note that the second episode ends on, the story beat is kind of that can I has given up on getting to know Takaki because she sees that he is, like his heart <laughs> is somewhere else. Yeah. And like, he never does anything more than just be nice to her. So like it finally dawns on her that she's not getting through to him. And so she kind of gives up. That's how I read the, the end of the second one. So I was not expecting her to come back. Um, I'm like 99% sure that wasn't her in the. No. The yeah. Episode. Now that I'm, now that I'm re looking yeah. and rethinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I realize it's not, um, but I, I would have probably written it that way. Like I personally, just cause, mm. just cause the fact of you're introducing a character, you've got this whole second, pretty much the whole episode about her falling in love with him. Mm -hmm. Then you kind of just drop her off and don't have, you don't have anything to do with her. Yeah. Unless they were to end up doing an episode four, which this was a long time. 2011 was when they finished this one. I think, Hmm. Um, yeah, if they were to do more not, episodes, they could have introduced him um, and her getting back together once he realized him and Akari weren't going to be together, and give him that happy ending. Yeah. No, I. I this does. This movie does end really abruptly, and that mm -hmm. kind of surprised me. Um, it, it. It. I think it ends with the the scene of him at the train crossing. And then yeah. it goes straight into like music video end credits sort of thing. Um, yeah, he smiles to himself and he's walking as a cherry blossoms fall with the train going by and mm -hmm. it's the credits. Yeah, it ends on like a very slight hopeful note that, you know, maybe he's finally moved past this and is going to move on with his life. Yeah. Um, I was kind of like where, you know, you mentioned earlier that you kind of stop feeling sorry for him and you just like yeah i was like kind of watching it thinking okay man it's it's time to move on <laughs> you know there's yep. a lot of fish in the sea um so yeah i i thought that this was maybe the least relatable of the three for me like i i mean you know i've, I've gone through breakups and so i you know kind of get it a little bit but i i've never you know had it that bad um, to where you just can't move on with your life. So I, I was not able to, uh, I could kind of empathize, I guess, with him, but not like I didn't get, Could I, I didn't really I get it. I will say that one was actually, even though it was my, probably my least favorite of the three, um, it was the one that I connected to the most. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, not to the uh not to say that this was less well written or you know, th th it still has yeah, the the, no, the yeah. um you know, the the sharp perception of the first two in how it depicts life in a, in a very like delicate way. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes uh like that really stuck with me is when he's in the elevator. And he's just like kind of staring at the ground and he like drops his keys and, you know, takes him a second to realize he's dropped his keys. It's like, oh, yeah, very nice, subtle, you know, without any dialogue or anything, you, you totally get how 
he's just totally given up on life and he's just so done with it. It's like very, you know, expertly done. Um, so yeah, um, I would say that this was, yeah, I feel like I'm just repeating myself at this point, but yeah, I, I think this was probably my least favorite of the three, but, um, you know, still very well done. Do you want to talk? Well, how did you, what did you think about the music? Oh, the music was I loved it. So good. I, I like after watching this, I think either Anton or Phil, I don't remember who's, you know, one of them sent me the, uh, the soundtrack to listen to and it, it's just so beautiful it's it's really uh you know of the three anime movies we've watched so far this month this is probably it's, my favorite soundtrack i agree of course i guess i loved it perfect blue was very weird and i don't remember anything about the tokyo godfather's soundtrack so this kind of just wins by default but it's it's really gorgeous to listen to like even if you you the listener don't ever see this movie like the soundtrack is definitely worth, you know, pulling up on Spotify or whatever. It's really great. Which I'm going to need to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is just, over, like, in terms of sensory input, this is just, you know, one of the most beautiful movies I've seen in a long time. Where it's yeah. just, the visuals and the, the score is just, like, very, very, like, just, just really good. So here are some other facts about this movie real quick. Okay, hit me. Before it was a film, it was first a novel released in Japan in November 2007. Okay. Um, then another version of the novel called One More Side was released May 20th. 2011 in Japan, which would have been after they filmed these. So that hmm. I don't know anything more about that. Um, then after in that time, right? Be so right before it became a film, it was a there or it might have been about the same time. There was a manga adaption of the film, hmm. illustrated by Yukiko Sake. Yukiko Seiki? I'm not for sure okay. how to say that. but Close enough. <laughs> I feel like that I want to see if there's an English translated version of the novel. Yeah. I would very much enjoy reading that. I'd be interested to know if the uh, the manga is, uh, has the same art style yeah. as the, the movie. Um, they, I, I certainly feel like you know you could... You could freeze frame this movie at almost any point and it would be like a work of art you could hang on the wall. Yeah, I agree there. So, yeah, I think a manga would, would be really, you know, gorgeous to look at. Um, so, um, overall, did you feel like it all hung together as a, as a piece? Oh, yeah. 100%. Hmm. Yeah. It flowed well. It tied into itself for the most part pretty well it mm -hmm. beautiful um art beautiful music yeah how about how about yourself yeah i um i would agree um this movie is a very insightful meditation on you know what it's like to to meet people in life and then drift away from them um like it's it's kind of built into the title you know the five centimeters per second um according to the movie is the speed at which cherry blossoms fall mm. so you kind of you know the cherry blossoms sort of represent you know people kind of like floating close to each other and then floating away i can't take credit for that i read it on the wiki <laughs> um but you know it's like it's a it's a very um you know, from that perspective, it's like all of the three episodes kind of are about the same thing, which is just like, you know, what does it mean to be together with somebody? And like, what do you do yeah. when you can't be with that person? And so, you know, it's very, I thought it was a very, um, you know, thoughtful movie, you know, very enjoyable. So, so I'm going to rewind something I said real quick. Okay. I had my um, 
I read something wrong. Um, the film did come first. The novel was written after the f film, and it was an expansion of the film. Mm, okay, so, so it like it provided was, more like, details. So it was, it was the film, yeah, the film, but with more details and more to it. And then after that was the manga, which... Um, hold up, let me read. In July 2010, the issue of the manga anthology Afternoon, which was an ad adaptation of five centimeters per second. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I wonder why it's called Afternoon. And it's all by the same person. Same writer as the movie? Yes. Did, uh, Correct. oh yeah, Makoto Shinkai wrote the film as well. So he wrote the, the novel also? Yep. Published by Media Factory, and then the manga was also written by him, illustrated by that person I couldn't say mm -hmm. earlier. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'd be curious to know if there's an English translation of the novel. I also want to know who, if the person who illustrated the manga was the same that illustrated the film, or if it was digital. Was that digital? That was digital. Surely that was digital. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the. <coughs> I think that you know, just based on the the time that this movie came out, it's, it it had to be digitally made. I think it was too clean to not be digitally yeah. animated. Um. So, uh, what would you rate this movie on a scale of one to ten? As my first time watching it, I want to say probably an eight and a half. Hmm. I feel like if I were to go back and watch it, it would be a good nine. Hmm. Okay. Almost ten. Wow. I enjoyed it a hmm. lot. And I feel like if I were to watch it again, I would enjoy it more. And I would pick up on more. <clears throat> yeah, I think knowing that... Knowing what I'm getting into. I don't know that I'd want to go back and watch this again by myself, but I, I definitely do want to rewatch this at some point. I, I would totally agree. Um, uh, I'll probably go with an eight. Um, I don't, I, I, I'm kind of, I think I've said all that I want to say about this, but yeah, I think, uh, mm -hmm. definitely really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think I would want to take this to a desert island, though. I think it would get to be too depressing um, <laughs> to yeah. watch this. Unless I had someone I, there with me, then that would make it, you know, better. But um, I felt like since we've kind of expanded it to a not being just one, just as a general, like, whatever number. Yeah. I think I might, in a yeah. sense of not from... The, obviously not the sad aspect of the film, but from making just putting myself out into another world mm -hmm. of if you're on a your desert a desert island and you want a film that's going to put you somewhere a little bit different for sure it shows like we were talking about the art and with different aspects of Japan the beautiful countryside and all that stuff it really takes you away for sure yeah now this would be a beautiful movie to uh to look at and take your mind off the fact that you're on a desert island i would yeah. just need to take some some kind of like comedy antidote yep. for this to after watching this to watch right yeah watch yeah, it yeah. right after to put you back in a good mood yep, yeah yep nope <laughs> like um i don't know Something goofy. Um, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> which incidentally is on our, our list uh, and in an episode of Framed coming soon. Um, yep. <laughs> that would be such an interesting combo if that was like the only two movies you had on a desert island. Five centimeters per second and Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> oh, I, I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Guilty, ple guilty pleasure with something that's a little sappy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, cool. All right. Um, so that's five centimeters per second. Um, 
I wish that uh, Phil could have been here because I'm sure he would have had a, yeah. a lot more thoughts a lot on this. More. Yeah, I think we did okay. I'll I'll have him listen to this later and tell us that we're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to round off our month of anime uh, is my pick, which is Your Name, um, which if I remember correctly, I think is by the same director as Five Centimeters Per Second. Um, I think I remember Phil saying that as well. Yeah, so the we organized our list this way because um, Phil observed, and I, I agree with him now that I've seen Five Centimeters Per Second, is that your name and Five Centimeters Per Second have a lot of the same themes. Um, uh-huh. Your name is in some ways a response to Five Centimeters Per Second, um, but it, it is a very different kind of movie. Your name is much more of a... Um, traditional kind of linear story um less uh like less of a mood piece than five centimeters per second mm-hmm. um so i'm looking forward to uh to watching it again i've actually already seen it once um brennan have you seen it i actually hadn't heard of it until now this is another one i hadn't really heard of okay um apparently so i'm kind of looking forward to it Apparently, J.J. Uh, Abrams um, has an English live-action adaptation of Your Name in the works. Um, really? Yeah. Now I'm really excited to watch this. <laughs> just so I can end up, because I know I'm going to end up watching that right, right. in the future. And then you can, uh, you can be grumpy and hipster and say that it's not nearly as good as the original. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, cool. So that'll be next time. Hopefully we'll get um, at least Robert back. I know that um, Phil started back up on uh, medical school for the fall, so yep. he's going to have a lot less time to record with us, but hopefully we'll get Robert and back. And with me, with my new job, I'm good on nights. Weekends will be a little iffy next two months, but when it comes to evenings, I'm free. So there's that. Such is the life of a, uh, a nine-to-five worker. Yep. Well, cool. Um, since right. Robert's not here, I'll say it. Thanks for potting with me. It was a blast. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.